Hey guys, how's it going? Matt from Foulball Productions here. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you're doing well. I'm doing phenomenally. Thank you so very much. Same for podcast number six. Booyah. It's pretty cool. Pretty fun. It's been a good little run here. Starting to pick up some steam, pick up some traction, consistency. Got the wake down. My uh, mighty producer uh, helped me out, posting clips. Uh, roasting me on my two-year anniversary stream. That was fun. Um, yeah, and here we are. We're here ready to do the show. I did have my two-year anniversary on YouTube. Uh, this is uh, now It's the 29th. It's the morning of Wednesday. Um, but it, uh, it, was, it just happened yesterday on the 28th, and that was really fun. It was great. I... Didn't know what to expect, to be completely honest. So last year's anniversary stream was fun, but it wasn't uh, wasn't like a huge thing. You know, I invited people. Some people showed up, but I feel like it was mostly me, as I recall. I don't quite remember, but it wasn't a big deal. But this one was actually super fun. I mean, having the wait down there as a producer, and he put in a lot of work, mostly to hum- humiliate me, but he did put in a lot of work to uh, – put together some clips and a bunch of good stuff and it was really it was really something a lot of people showed up whole bunch of super chats which was so generous and I'm really grateful to each and every one of you who did that uh, and that was uh yeah it was it was fun man it was it was genuinely a great time and you know it it was brutal at times there was the one audition clip that I I genuinely could not watch cuz I don't Honestly, even remember recording that one. It was the one where I was playing like a gangstery guy. Honestly, I was screaming at the screen the entire time it was running. I couldn't even look at it. It was absolutely brutal. So I had to like, I was like, like screaming F you to wake down. And uh, I, that one was rough. But a few of them actually like, I was like, that's not that bad. Like I was like, oh, there were times when I really didn't suck that much at that. And then watching the um, the game over short, uh, I was like, "Wow, that actually was pretty good." You know, for what it was, it was it was pretty good. I was like, I hadn't seen that pretty much around the time since I made it. You know, I put on all the graphics and stuff and edited it myself, and then um, I just kind of it was so painful for me because I was so close to it, and it's really hard for me at times to like watch myself, especially my acting work, because you're just going over everything with a microscope and a pair of forceps. And you're looking at every breath, every blink, every intonation is whether it's like authentic or good. And it was it's, you know, it's brutal, uh, especially from an actor's point of view, right? Like when the whole point was to get more acting work. When I'm going over everything like that, it's 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 unbearable because it's like if there's any false note, you just I'm like ah ah, I just cringe, you know. But that had been, I guess that was five years since I had uh, put that out there, and I was actually surprised at how tight the arc was in the script, you know, or, or the lack thereof. Like it's kind of like a like a tragedy comedy, uh, you know, where the, the hero doesn't learn, and that's the joke. Uh, and it was, I was like, oh, that didn't suck. You know, it genuinely didn't. There was some like good uh, moments in there. The overlay of the video game worked. And what was really cool was hearing it, like having the guys there react to it. And the laughs were where they should be. And they got it. And I was like, yeah, no, actually, that was pretty good. 
genuinely, you know, I, I wasn't like, I'm not being like, uh, you know, arrogant or, or falsely humble. I was like, no, that actually wasn't that bad. That really made me think about doing things again. I've been thinking about it a little bit. You know, it's uh, not something that I don't know. I, it kind of just came from like the universe, you know, I know that sounds like kind of uh, like the type of like, a, like a, a point of view from like a girl who's like into crystals. But it kind of felt like that. Like the restaurant that I work at, there's an acting studio like right next door. There's like this little back hallway where I go to vape and chill, you know, like when I've got like a second or whatever, there's a bathrooms back there. And there's all these acting classes like right there. There's a there's a theater, uh, which doesn't interest me. I mean, you know, all due respect, theater is fucking gay. <laughs> it's so gay. And they were doing some musical theater thing, which doesn't interest me in the slightest. But, you know. I'd be lying if I didn't feel a bit left out watching them all perform and all those like the highs and the lows and the excitement of being involved. I was like a little jealous, you know, and I uh, kind of put that out of my head. And then I see these like actors all the time, you know, they're reading their sides. And every once in a while I get a little curious, you know, and I just ask them a question. And uh, this one girl I remember specifically was, uh, you know, acting. I'm just like, oh, are you auditioning? And she's like, well, you know, I don't have like an agent. And then I remember hearing that. I was like, oh, you're really new at this. And I was like, oh, like, you don't need an agent. <laughs> Actually, agents really just got to take money. What you should be doing is going and networking with casting directors. You should get them to know who you are. You should call them, text, you know, email them, whatever it is, get in contact with them. And uh, this way, when you do go talk to an agent, you actually have relationships with casting directors. There's some value in you as an actor. You're not just a hopeful wannabe wanting everybody to make your career for you, which is what most actors think the business is. And who can blame them? I mean, no one really prepares you for what the heck you're supposed to do in the career of being an actor. Uh, you know, it's like, I want to win the lottery professionally. It's like, all right, good luck, you know. Hope it works out. But, uh, and I, and she was kind of like, oh, did you used to do this? And I realized I had like a lot of wisdom and insight. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, there's that. And whatever, put that out of my head. And then the other day I was talking with this girl in the hallway. Pretty cute, got her number. Um, but uh, she was new at it. Like it's been like her first six months. And I was like, I remember my first six months. Like I remember being super excited and just like in this new journey and just letting it wash over you and learning everything you can. And I like, he's nagging at me again you know it was, it was making me want to get into it like it, it like came back the passion to even want to do it came back I never thought that I would see the day where I would want to do it again I mean the years in LA it was it was such a burnout such a burnout and it was just this this sad, slow decline till one day you realize, like, I don't even – I don't like my life. I'm going nowhere. I'm just in this town going through the motions, not even auditioning, not even putting my hat in the rain, just being completely defeated but still calling myself an actor and just bartending and drinking and not doing anything. Like, just, like, the best years of my life, you know, what they say are the best years of your life. Just I'm desperate. And it sucked. And it, I remember telling my buddy, like, probably a, maybe six months to a year before the pandemic hit, just being kind of just so disillusioned with the whole thing. And he was just like, 
Yeah, you know, he's in the same place because it's how long can you grind at something with just such meager results before you just are like, ugh, enough of this, you know? And you just and it's and and that town just grinds you under its gears and has no remorse, no respect, no concern, no consideration, no care. You're just a nobody. You're a nothing. You didn't make it yet. You don't even count as a person, you know? And it was something that like was a reality for me, but not something I was like consciously acknowledging. And then eventually just had to kind of be like, I don't even, I don't know what I'm doing. And then the lockdowns was the first time I really had time to think about it, you know? And then with the steady decline of all content and the inner circle of that kind of race, intersectionalist, communist thing, uh, this new new hierarchy system, which I had been seeing for years in Los Angeles. It wasn't new to me. I wasn't even kind of surprised. But it was relentless. Like how far it had spread was the most shocking thing to me. Like I had seen it and I knew of it. It was so many people that I knew. Um, but I didn't realize it would be ubiquitous. And once it became universal, it was all content. And we just had time to sit down and talk about it, whether it be, you know, me just listening to Gary all day or me starting up my own YouTube channel and talking about it is when it became clear to me. Right. And it was it was this thing. It was like this just impossible monster that wasn't going anywhere. And during that time, I'm like, what am I doing in this town right like once it was clear the lockdowns weren't going anywhere this wasn't just some like temporary thing that this was going to be a while it just gave me time to like because it's like okay now that i'm not doing anything i'm not being an actor what am i here for do i like la am i happy and one of the things that dawned on me the most was i would i had these communities of people right like i had all the people I did events and catering with, I knew them. I saw them all the time. It was several hundred people that you'd see at multiple events all over town, right? And you'd see them. You'd run into them. Oh, hey, man, how's it going? Your buddies, you this, that, the other. You know, girls you know, girls you're fucked. And just in general, this kind of just community. And then the same thing was with my acting studio, which I was pretty much done with before the lockdown started anyway because I was just so beaten by the whole thing, just being – berated in class essentially not even necessarily personally berated but just berated by the rhetoric all the time and all these girls just being so political and aggressive and you know attacking you no room for disagreement just this this marxist blanket over absolutely everything so i'd kind of tapped out of it anyway but once i realized it hit me like i don't know like six months in maybe into the lockdowns when i was realized i hadn't heard from almost anyone in either community and i didn't miss it at all i didn't care that i didn't hear from them i didn't feel left out or betrayed i felt like no that seems totally appropriate then i realized like i'm not even really tethered to this city i'm just here in this sort of like this position this sort of temporary eternity this temporary all the time where you you everything is all just in service of this dream of this goal but I think in the meantime I'm not living my life you know even the things that I would enjoy always felt like a twinge of not good enough because I hadn't made it yet 
and I and I couldn't really celebrate anything or relish the good things in life because I well my real life will start when I make it like that's how I looked at everything and that's really sad and also once I realized that like once I, that came to me I it was like oh like you're living your life right now you know the people you're interacting with your friends your family the the girls i see the the restaurants i go to the movies i watch this is my life my life doesn't start when hollywood taps me on the shoulder and anoints me into their you know coven my life is happening right now and i i i i was really grateful to have that perception and that insight and realize it's not you know you don't wait for things to click like like the hellraiser box and it just like clicks and all of a sudden everything's magic it's no man your 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 life your life is now whether you're successful anything you are living today i sound like ruben but it's true and so during the downtime i started off just god just drinking a lot and not working out i was gross Oof, I was fat. I was over 200 pounds for the first time in my life. Uh, not toned at all, you know, not in any kind of shape and just a like alcoholic. I mean, there was definitely more than one day where might as well start drinking now. I mean, let's have a Bloody Mary and see where it goes. It was like being on vacation, you know, and then just playing countless video games. I mean, just went back and revisited, played a bunch of new ones, just video game after video game after video game. And it's just for a while, it's man, what am I doing? I can't, even though I'm locked down, like this can't be my existence. And I had, I had done a little bit of podcasting or YouTube like years ago, like maybe when I first moved to California, maybe like now it would be like 11 or probably like 11 years ago, something like that. And I did a little run of the MFR podcast, like four episodes, something like that, nothing crazy. Um, but I had done it before. And with the lockdowns and listening to Gary and listening to Mahler and Critical Drinker and all these people that I really admired and looked up to and respected for them saying the things that no one I knew would have the nuts to say. No one had the precision of insight that these guys had. And no one saw it and had the balls to say it out loud publicly on YouTube like these guys had, it made me want to do it too. I felt emboldened. I felt inspired, you know. But I was still sort of in the back of my head like I'm going to maybe be in Hollywood. So I started off doing YouTube really delicately. Now, I didn't shy away from anything, but I didn't want the channel to be political. I didn't want to take a stand on these things. I felt like they were doing a great job. There's no reason for me to throw my hat in the ring for this political fight or this agenda fight or whatever it was. I didn't have to do that. That's already being done. What can I do? Well, I have a very vast knowledge of film and television. I I watch so much of it. I study it. I've made it. I give a shit about it. It's something I genuinely really care about. So while we're all sitting home doing absolutely nothing day in and day out, why don't I recommend some movies that people probably have overlooked or maybe maybe never even heard of? So I started doing that. Said the Matt's Obscure Movie Recommendee Show, right? I started putting out a few of those videos. They're not that great. They probably have some redeeming qualities, but they're just not great videos. First of all, they're way too long for your first YouTube videos. They're all like a half hour long. No one's watching that from someone with no subs, you know, rightfully so. 
Um, and they are like I should have released each movie as its own episode. Would have been better, you know, ten or so minutes, roughly. Uh, but you know, you don't know when you're doing YouTube. You have no idea. Obviously, you have no idea when you start any endeavor. You don't know what it is until you do it and figure it out. And so I was doing that for a while, and then I started doing streams with my friend Lindsay, who I lo I love those. I still think those are actually pretty interesting conversations. There's one where we talked about Lord of the Rings and the Amazon Lord of the Rings show, and this was well before we knew anything back when it was all essentially rumor. And Lindsay's a big um, Tolkien fan. And so we talked a bunch about that, you know, and then I did a stream with my buddy Jared, who's a big movie fan. But we kind of started to grow apart because he's still like a big movie fan. He's a director in LA. Uh, and I was more like, I want to just attack it. Like I, I kind of don't want to just praise Hollywood. Actually, I kind of fucking hate Hollywood right now. And I sort of just want to eviscerate them. And he's just kind of like, eh, it's not really my angle, even though he's a base dude and he's got a lot of the same opinions I do. Um, he just didn't really want to take that angle. You know, he just wanted to praise movies, which was still cool. Like, I still had a great time talking with Jared. I think Jared's a terrific guy. Um, but it just was – I just felt the shift. I was more, like, into political action on this whole thing. And he was more into just, you know, still liking movies. And I, we just kind of grew apart. Um Always intended on doing something again, but it just kind of never materialized. And then when I started really doing like the Umbrella Academy stuff, that's when it changed. That's when I, I really got into like criticizing and being comfortable with it. And that sort of was the direction the channel took after a while was just, all right, I'm going to say what I believe about whatever I feel like I want to talk about. It was mostly media. And it had been for the majority of the channel, probably until like I'd say the beginning of this year, you know, the end of of last and the beginning of this year, when me and Vidge were just kind of like, "What are we doing? Are we gonna do this forever? Are we just gonna every time they do something stupid, we're gonna get on YouTube and get mad about it?" That was, Vidge was Vidge said it first. I was first. I was like, "Yeah, I mean, that's what we're doing. What are you talking about?" And then it more I thought about it, the more I was like, yeah. Like, it's kind of like where someone's got, like, puppet strings over us, and they're like, hey, guess what? Spider-Man's gay. And you're like, no, he's not! And then we made, like, a vid, you know, you get mad about it. And it was like, ugh. Like, we're part of, like, this cycle, like, part of this whole thing. And I don't know. Like, it just felt like we were being manipulated. Like, we were just part of this machine. And it just became lame and after after the expanse season six, like I really just I was very like whew, just had a big lull in even wanting to do YouTube. What do I have to say about anything? Am I even interested in this anymore? Like what am I what is my point here on YouTube? Why am I doing this? You know? And sadly, uh me and Vidge breaking up, as it were, but we're not. We're gonna do more stuff. I love Vidge. And we were already talking about bringing back the culture crime fighters in some regard. But the fact that I didn't have a reliable – I didn't have the partner anymore. I didn't have a reliable Wednesday show uh, to do and to build towards and to clip and all that stuff and kind of build as my brand. Once I realized, Once that went away, I had to replace it with something because I wasn't done. Even though I was confused, I knew I wasn't done. Uh, and that's when I started doing this. And doing this has been great. 
because as challenging and awkward as doing a solo podcast by yourself for an hour uh, without an audience and just releasing it and be like, I oh, hope you like it. Uh, it's actually been really liberating and it's kind of helping me find my voice and exactly what I want to say and put out there, you know, like why I even do any of this. It's been actually really invigorating. And that combined with hiring the wake down as the editor and helping with the clips move and going to the Dallas meetup and kind of reminding what it is that I reminding me of what it is that I like about the fandom and the people involved. I kind of feel more excited than ever to do YouTube stuff. Like I'm actually kind of pumped to like be back and be a part of it. And today's like two year stream was sort of the culmination of all that. You know, it was like, all right, you know, to go through the motions of a two year stream, but having wake down, like, go through all this stuff and having like all this history to even pull from all these like obscure, you know, uh, references to like early stuff that happened in the stream when, you know, very few people were watching or barely remember or any of this stuff. It was, it was kind of like fun. Like there's like lore, there's like lore to foul ball productions. And there's like people who've been around for a long time who've been watching this stuff, you know, almost since the beginning, which is like really flattering and, and interesting and kind of like curious it's like oh it's like friends that i've never met you know that i just talked to through chats but that are always around and you know them and they know you and it's it's really funny and it's like you know you put yourself out there you humiliate yourself but it's part of the gag it's like i oh, that's why i always brought this stuff to the streams that were embarrassing because yeah it's gonna suck for me but it everyone else is gonna laugh and that's funny you know what i mean i could take the embarrassment i could take the humiliation like i said you know uh the, the audition tapes were a little rough those were tough to sit through that mm, not gonna tell you that didn't hurt the, the, other, the two that weren't that bad was not that big of a deal, and I'm lucky he doesn't have more of this because I can't sit through that. I can't sit there and watch. That's too far. That hurts way too deep. I, that's too much. It's just, ah. Like, I literally did break out into, like, a flop sweat watching that. That wasn't an exaggeration. Like, I got, I sweat. It's That was ugh, mortifying. Not okay. I forgot what my point was. I forgot where I was going with that. But, um uh, Oh, yeah, the embarrassing myself. That was funny because it's like, you know, you guys will get a kick out of it. And, like, it's like, whatever. You know, it's embarrassing, but it was also kind of cathartic. Some of those today, though, were not cathartic at all. They were just pure pain. <laughs> but still, like, I imagine everyone thought it was funny. Like, the chat would light up whenever fucking Wake Down would play some awful clip. God damn it. It's still... I could feel the pain like right now resonating inside of me. It's not awesome. It's not awesome at all. But ultimately, the stream kind of ended with me feeling really grateful that there are people around that care, that show up and watch things. That's cool. That's amazing. Because I wasn't exaggerating. When I first started up until like I started doing the expanse streams, which I don't when was that? You know, like that was a really long time ago. That uh, the first one I did was let me see the first expanse stream i did was august 26 2020 and that one actually had some traction there still was no one ever watching live but afterwards people would watch them no one ever watched that but i mean i had six subs for the entire time i was doing youtube up until that point and still, like, I don't really think that increased my subs much at all. Like, I think people would pop in every once in a while. 
I remember uh, Lauren Cisco was one of the first people. Eric Kay, you know, would pop in, which was crazy. You know, it was so it was so cool. I mean, having the nerdrotic community really helped a lot. Not just Gary coming on the channel. I mean, that was gigantic. That was tremendous because that boosted me pretty high. I mean, his first visit, you know, I think I, I put out one viral video that went really well. The one just about the Expanse canceling, like 50,000 views. So that got me up to like, I don't know, 400 or something. Gary coming on got me up to like 600. And then the Gina Carano video was the one that pushed me over 1,000. But like just having being involved in Gary's streams and knowing anyone there, they would come support. They would come check me out. Like Eric K would come and be, be the only one in the chat. The vigilante was coming on, coming on one of me and uh, Jared's streams. You know, we we're talking film talk, and I mean, he was like the only guy in the chat, just asking questions. I didn't even know who this guy was. I was like, "Who's this vigilante Williams guy?" I don't know. You know, just hey, cool. You know, and that was incredible and really welcoming. People were so uh, they open with open arms, which I just did not expect. You know, I remember like the first few times I even started chatting in like a Gary stream, I was nervous. You know, like people can get a little clicky, a little culty, and, and they're not necessarily interested in outsiders coming along. And I didn't expect to be so embraced and well received from everybody in the nerdrotic community. I didn't know that. And, you know, because of that, I feel like I have friends that I didn't have before I started doing this. And that's, like, not something I anticipated at all. Like, it really wasn't anything I envisioned. And it's really cool. You know, it's genuinely uh, an amazing thing. You know, it's, it's something that was not part of the plan. I didn't even know what the plan was. The plan was just get on YouTube and I don't know. Talk about movies, I guess. I still don't know what I'm doing. I still have no idea what this is. But I don't know. People have been sticking around, which is incredible. And I'm really, really humbled and grateful. It's cool. It's really, really cool. And... uh I don't know. For now, I'm I'm not I'm I'm not stopping. You know, I'm happy to do it. the 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 cocktail lounge is this weekly ritual, and like truth be told, I definitely had considered not doing it. You know, I, I had considered stopping it, uh, not because I didn't like it, but because it just I, I I you know, it's like you ask yourself these questions: like, is this the best use of my time? You know. Uh, financially, is it a good choice? Because I, I work in the restaurant industry and Friday nights are usually a pretty lucrative night. And so while I do make some super chats and stuff, which is incredible, don't get me wrong, it's not the same amount of money that I'd be making in a restaurant. So I'm like losing money. And I don't know. It just had, it had crossed my mind to stop doing it. But I'm so glad I didn't because it's just like they're so weird. Like I never know what they're going to be. And they're always fun. Like, it always turns out to be something interesting or weird or funny or just a good time. And I'm like, it's the most consistently successful thing I do. It's not huge. I mean, it's it's not huge. If we get 300 views in an episode, like, that's great. But it, it that's not, like, the point. Like, the point is it's, like, this consistency. Like, it's, like, this community. You know, it's, like a lot of the same people show up and say what up and it's like it's wild it's fun you know we bullshit 
talk about things of the day. I mean, sometimes, you know, we go on these weird tangents. Like we did that one, one week where we talked about every vignette of Love, Death and Robots, uh, you know, all the way through. And that was, I had a blast. I could have gone through all the episodes they made. That was so much fun. Like that was some like, you know, and it's, I don't know if everyone else liked it, but I liked it. You know, like when we talk about New Vegas for an hour, <laughs> I like it. Like I, I have fun with that. I don't know if it's, you know, there's this kind of thing you have to do when you're YouTubing, right? You have to make sure it's topical so that people who don't know you are maybe interested in what you're saying, right? Like you're talking about a story of the day so that someone who doesn't know your channel will be like, ah, all right, maybe I'll click on it. Like you're just hoping for that generous click because I know myself. I'm not very generous with my clicks at all. Like I, I, I have the people I watch and it's, it's almost like a chore to watch someone I don't know, you know? So it's like whenever anyone does on click on my channel, I'm always like, that's so cool. Thank you. You know what I mean? It's like, you're great. You're better than me. And you know, so it's like you got to walk that line, but like at the same time, like I kind of want to hear what faction you choose in New Vegas and why. And I could talk about that all night. And I just, and I'm not like ashamed of that. You know, I mean, I'm like, I'm like, that's cool with me. Actually, we're talking about this. Actually, I'm like, maybe I should get like a, a New Vegas like talk stream together. So at least it's advertised well. And, you know, rock fan and, wake down and I and whomever wants to come talk about the game can just come talk about it. And then this way it's like, it's no one who doesn't want to be there will be there. You know, they're just like, ugh, these guys are going to nerd about this old video game. Like, yes, it's so much fun. I still love the shit out of this game. It's, uh, it's just the best. Anyway, that was just a huge mental dump. <clears throat> just dumped all over this podcast um but yeah i mean that's i mean that's me that's where i'm at with this with my creative life and youtube and it's two years and it's a wild two years uh i don't know i it's not what i envisioned but i didn't envision anything i didn't know what i was doing i didn't know what youtube would be i didn't i didn't know you know like when gary would talk about like him doing it and us being there is what does it for him. I kind of get it. Like, I, I kind of get it. Like, it was crazy living in Los Angeles and trying to be an actor and seeing all these things and just no one, no one seeing it my way. No one understanding what it was actually going on. And if they did, they didn't dare say it. And so you just live in this world of bullshit. Just fucking phony things and like wealthy, pretty women telling you how things are. And it's like, shut the fuck up. You don't know anything. Like, and you, you, you talk on these, these premises, these, these beliefs that like, I, I've got it well. It's like you drive a nicer car than me. You live in a bigger house than me. You're in a stable relationship. You get more acting work than me. How are you going to sit here while I am barely eking out a living bartending when the gigs happen that I have privilege over you? What the fuck are you talking about? 
And it, you'd hear it. It was like not stop. It was like if I said that to these people, if I disagreed, it was like saying this: the sky is, you know, aquamarine. Like uh, aquamarine is blue. Another color other than blue that it's violet all the time. It's like no, it's always violet. I don't know what the sky is not blue. Shut up, stupid. Like that's how. They looked at it, and it's like there's only so many years you can live in an environment like that and not go fucking crazy. And it's just it was it was so ubiquitous. I cannot express to you how universal it was. Anyone who had a different opinion was like one in a million. You just you you it was just amazing how rarely you've, everybody else was. They're all just like these fucking zombies, just cooked with all this bullshit, telling me how. The Last Jedi, Rey has, like, her story really mimics the hero's journey. In what way, Brit? In what way? <laughs> this chick has no arc, no journey. She, and you know it's just about feminism because that's all you really care about. Your acting is a secondary thing to your fucking activism. Way more important. And that was everyone I knew. It's like, what am I doing? What are we all doing? We all we all decide to be actors to serve some fucking cult. Fuck you. That's not what I signed up for. That's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to make friends and make movies, and that's it. And I did make a few friends, and I did make a few movies, but it was not what I imagined it was going to be. And it was very disillusioning. Whew. Anyway, that was all babbly. I'm not entirely sure. If there's a cherry on top, I guess the truth is that I'm sticking here. I'm doing this. Love it. I love it. I need it. I need it now. I'm addicted. I have a full on habit with this, you know, a dependency with YouTube and speaking my mind. Because otherwise, I will just harangue other people in my life, and that's just not really fair to them. I need to speak my mind. I have to speak my mind. Have to. It's a compulsion. It's one of my biggest character flaws, to be completely honest, because it's like not everyone wants to hear my opinion on absolutely everything, but I have opinions on absolutely everything. I don't know why, but I do. And I have to tell someone. Otherwise, it'll drive me and everyone else around me crazy. So thank you for watching. Thank you for being a part of this, because otherwise, I don't know who else would listen to me. I'd just be some crazy lunatic with a bag of four loco, you know, I'm fucking communists are taking over America. You know, like the guys I used to give my change to and smoke cigarettes with when I was drunk when I lived in LA. I'd be one of them. We would just switch and there'd be some new kid who came to LA with stars in his eyes and dreams and I'd be like, you know what I do in Hollywood, kid? All grizzled and fucking horrible. No, I have to tell someone. I'm telling you. Thank you for listening. Because it means the world need to do it. And if I do continue acting, if I do continue entertainment, I'm still doing this. 100% still doing this. Still going to be abrasive and opinionated. And I don't care. Don't care if people don't like it. And I don't care if it costs me work. Fuck it. This is more important. <laughs> this matters. This matters. Even, even if just to me. It matters because it's me telling you, you can't fucking tell me what to say and what to think and what to do. Fuck you. And you're controlling ways. I hate that shit. I hate people who need to control 
what you do, what you say, keep people in boxes. Any dissent is a problem. Fucking blow it out your ass. If you can't allow, if you can't convince someone to see it your way, you're not very persuasive. And you're probably a cunt. You're probably a cunt. So, I ain't going anywhere. That's right, you hear me, YouTube? That's right. Me and my 1,748 subscribers, we're taking over. We're taking over. Bow down before the lord of YouTube. Foulbot Productions. Yeah. And me, Wendell. Everybody likes me, right? I can't, uh, I can't in good conscience do Wendell on this podcast without giving you the opportunity to protest. Now, you can protest in the comments below, but this is a pre-recorded podcast, so I don't think it's uh, righteous if I don't allow you to express your loathing of him in real time. I don't know what everyone's so upset about, honestly. I think they're all just full of malarkey. That's what I say. Full of baloney! Ah, that felt really good. Thank you for listening to that. We've got some more things to do. More things to talk about. Here's a crazy story. This is very much a culture crime fighters-ish story. Vigilante Williamson himself would absolutely have a lot to say about this story. <laughs> but I was reading this at the bar earlier uh, after work. Um, work has been fine. It, it was a little uncomfortable at first. It's still actually fairly uncomfortable, but it's not bad. It's just a little uncomfortable. I can take a little uncomfortable. It's not a big deal. The girl that I was seeing, we are on good terms. I would say I would ask her to be a little bit cooler to me, but you know what? As long as we're not at each other's throats. I was thinking about it actually – Considering dating people at work is stupid for the most part, especially if you work in the restaurant industry. Um, I was thinking about it. I was like, as much as I don't like it, as much as I kind of want her to be nice to me, you know what I mean, and still be warm and fuzzy. Um, considering how other times I've dated women at work and how nuclear that went and how bad things can get, as much as I'm not thrilled with the way things are, I'm kind of getting off easy. It'll suck for a few weeks, and then it'll just be whatever. Not so bad. Not so bad. And the real, like, uh, demon queen no, no longer works there. So I don't ever have to look at that bitch again, which is awesome. That's a, that's a blessing. So, yeah, it's just been a little weird. Anyway, at work, went out for drinks, looking at this article. Well, I went out for a drink so that I could look up stuff while I had a beer and a shot and i found this one i found this article this is a vigilante williamson tribute this is a vintage vintage culture crime fighters type thing uh oh wait now i have to ah uh, god i am gonna fire wake down honestly if for no other reason than the fact that the way i used to be able to share things he made me take one extra step in sharing articles, and I hate it. I hate, I've been on this stupid website for two years doing things exactly the same as I had been, and now he makes me do an extra step of adding something to the stream when I could. When I was one click, now it's 
three clicks. Because four, four clicks to share something. You have to click on the tab, then click share, then click back to the stream, and then click add to stream. When it used to just be two clicks, tab, share, done. What are you making me work so hard for? Wait, done, huh? Huh? Anyway. Yoga teacher, 34, who vanished into thin air when she was accused of killing love, ri love rival, is still alive. He's still alive. Nine shots and he's still alive. Or seven shots or however many shots it was. That's a Godfather reference, kids. U.S. Marshals say, as Manhunt enters sixth week, Caitlin Marie Armstrong, 34, is wanted in connection to the killing of cyclist Anna Mariah Moe Wilson in May. This happened in Austin, Texas, folks. So some crazy bitch killed some other bitch in Austin while I lived here. Crazy. Armstrong was interviewed by Austin police officers on May 14th after they discovered she had an open misdemeanor, mis, misdemeanor warrant. They used the opportunity to question her about rising cyclist Anna Mariah Moe Wilson's death on May 11th after receiving an anonymous tip. Cops then showed Armstrong footage of her car outside the residence where Wilson, 25, 25, 10 years younger than her, you know that boiled her blood, staying while in Texas for a race on the night she died. Armstrong reportedly admitted it, quote, doesn't look good and did not have an explanation as to why she was in the area that night. No alibi. Good Lord. U.S. Marshals say Armstrong was jealous after finding out that her boyfriend, professional cyclist Colin Strickland, was previously involved with Wilson. So this dude was banging this crazy yoga chick and some other young, sexy cyclist. And, uh, oh, yoga chick was not into it. Not into it so much. It sounds like he, she murdered her. <laughs> A yoga teacher wanted for killing a professional cyclist in a jealous rage is still alive six weeks after she vanished, U.S. Marshals say. Katie Marie Armstrong, 34, is wanted in connection with the killing of Anna Mariah Moe Wilson, 25, who was shot to death on May 11th at her friend's house in Austin. Oh, my God. That sucks. Visiting Austin, going to get some dick and ride your bike, and you get shot and killed. Not what you were hoping for. She was last seen being dropped off at North Liberty International Airport on May 18th, just a day after cops issued a homicide warrant for her arrest. Okay, so she was in Newark, uh, the, the alleged killer. A man who was staying at Camp Haven Compound in Livingston Manor, New York, later, later told Fox News Armstrong's sister, Christine, had been staying there, staying there, and he had seen her a month ago. She was here a while back. So, again, she's been around. Right before the whole thing blew up, former FBI Special Agent Tracy Waldner also said he believes... His name is Tracy. <laughs> Girl name. Uh, also believes Armstrong could be using an alias, and private investigators have received tips that she might be using her sister's name. Oh, boy, dragging your sister into this. Look at her. She's kind of hot, right? Marshals have confirmed that they are aware of the campsite location, but would not confirm whether Armstrong is using her sister's identity. Bro. Think about that, right? This guy's a professional cyclist. He's probably got a fair amount of swagger. He's not exactly a professional, you know, baseball player. He's not like, you know, he's a cyclist. It's like, oh, that's cool, but it's not, like, famous. But, you know, you talk to this chick, you chat her up, or you meet her through a, fr a friend, you know, it's probably challenging. She's pretty, right? She's probably got some, you know, fences to hurdle. And uh, you get to know her. You buy her drinks, you know, you bang her out a few times. And uh, you never do you imagine that in six months or a year or whatever, she's going to murder someone you used to bang or someone you're banging on the side and she'll be part of an international or an international manhunt. Oh, my God. Gentlemen, watch yourselves out there. It is scary. 
sold the SUV at the center. Uh, oh, oh, she sold her car for $12,000. Now that's probably supposed to be $12,200. One day before she was questioned. So she's like selling her shit and out of here. Oh, and that looks like the girl she killed. Oh, she's a little cutie. Oh, she's dead now. Sorry, Anna Mariah Mo Wilson. That sucks. And this is the dude. This is the dick slinger who's, uh, wait, okay. So it says, authorities say Armstrong fell into a jealous rage and shot Wilson, 25, left dead, shot her dead, as if she went for a swim and dinner with Armstrong's boyfriend, professional cycler Colin Strickland. Man, that is a dicey little love triangle, man. That's too damn bad. Bro, that's crazy. That's crazy. Like, I'm not much of a cheater. I don't feel good with that type of stuff. It doesn't make me feel good. And even if, you know, I, I've I've had these girls, I've dated these girls, and, and, you know, they're banging other people while we're dating, and I'm like, what are you doing? And they're like, well, we weren't official. It's like what is this a court of law like you know what i mean technically your honor the document had not been signed until 8 p.m that evening so prior to that they actually were not in a committed relationship and all the infidelities were uh here for two notwithstanding it's just like what are you talking about what matters is the other person involved giving a shit or not giving a shit like it's like girls that think like there's these like rules it's just free it's just like it's not what no like if I'm bothered by it, that's what matters. If you give a shit about dating me or my feelings, that's that's the line. That's all. You're just like, oh, I don't have to do anything because we weren't in a relationship. It's like, who, what are the arbitrary ideas you came up with? Who told you that's how it works? Now, like, yes, technically, when you're dating someone, it's like, yeah, and you can see other people and stuff. But, like, you have to understand that you're treading on delicate ground, right? Like, if I start dating a girl, now we're seeing each other for a month and, like, end the meantime i'm just fucking a whole other girl bunch of girls and if she finds out and is upset i can't be like whatever we weren't official like okay you self-centered monster but like she still likes you and cares about you and doesn't want to imagine you out there just dump and come all over town and the same goes for women it's like you're starting to build affection for this woman let's say let's say if you do marry her you do end up in a royal you're like oh you you like oh how'd you meet well you know your mother had just left an orgy you know, you know what i mean it was on her way to get uh, triple teamed by uh you know a rugby <laughs> threesome uh you know but the thing was she wasn't in a committed relationship with me so all of these things are fine it's like stop it who's creating these narratives who's coming up with this anyway the whole cheating aside part aside um i don't obviously don't know the inner workings of this relationship i don't know who was with who or for how long or whatever but i feel like the yoga teacher felt like she was slighted uh and it looks maybe like this guy kind of had you know, some old tale back in town. and was like, yeah, I'm going to squeeze out a few while she's here uh, and, you know, get, get a little bit of mine. And uh, I guess the yoga teacher was not uh, happy about that. That saying, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned is true. It's scary, actually. I think if you're, you know, men, when you first start dating women, you really don't know what they're capable of. 
you had never really seen it firsthand. You know, you heard about stuff, you do, but when someone that you loved or cared about can do such vicious things to you, it's it's unfathomable at first. It's still always diff- it's never easy to deal with, but it's like you just can't believe you're like, but I care about you. Why would you hurt me? It's like this vindictive energy, this monstrous wrecking ball of a human who used to be this sweet girl that you told her you loved her. It's like insane. You've never seen anything like it. Uh, and at, le- at least I hadn't. At least I had not. Uh, and it is a really jarring thing to experience. And I, I don't think that Colin thought this woman was going, dude, you imagine how guilty you'd feel? Like, obviously, the yoga teacher's crazy, clearly. Um, but like, you know, just bringing this poor girl into your love life drama and it got her murdered. You'll never get over that. Even though it's the other 100% the other woman's fault. It's still like one of those things where it's just like, you know, if you didn't, if you're like, eh, I'm kind of seeing this girl. She's a little possessive. Maybe you should stay at a hotel. You know, not like I don't want you here. It's just mm, probably not the best move. The, the girl could still be alive, right? Like, even though it's totally reasonable to be like, yeah, I mean, cheating shouldn't end up in someone's death, especially if you're not married. It shouldn't end up in anyone's death anyway, but it's just like if you're not married, it's kind of like yeah, it sucks. It's very unfortunate that he's doing that, and I feel really bad, but you cannot kill the girl. <laughs> you can't murder her. That's a little far. That's a little much. The, the penalty doesn't quite fit the crime there, I would argue. Um, but that man, like that, and that guy, like, has got to explain it. I don't know if he has to, but there's a potential he has to explain it to that girl's family and their friends. And now it's this big story, and it's like you're the dick head for you know letting this crazy woman in your life. And I bet I would, I would always, I always say this, and I would venture to guess if I could just bet my entire year's salary on this bet that no one will take that there might have been a few red flags before she gunned down the chick you were (laughs) sleeping with you know like that's the thing about abusive relationships and unhealthy relationships that i don't have a whole lot of empathy for only because i have made that mistake many times and i will tell you universally I knew ahead of time. Every single time one of my relationships went nuclear, went boom, blew up in my face, I already knew the girl I was seeing was a handful. It didn't just fall out of the sky. It wasn't like suddenly one day she got a crazy look at her eye. I knew. I already knew and I overlooked it. And I made excuses or I rationalized or I just flat out was like whatever. Like, I just, like, the whole Johnny Depp, Amber Heard thing, I'm like, I think Johnny Depp was wronged. I don't think, you know, the the Hollywood machine, the way they turned on him, they became this Me Too thing, which was horseshit, obviously. But in his personal life, there's no way before he married her, he didn't already have a pretty strong understanding that this chick was a little un. Well, (laughs) she's a little off kilter. I'm fairly certain he already knew that. And I, that's, I would believe that to be the case almost universally. 
I'm sure at times it happens. Someone's repressed memories come to the surface. They have a psychotic break and turn into a different person. I'm sure that happens. I'm sure circumstances turn people into different people. But I still don't believe that someone was normal one day and then the next day shot a girl to death because you were fucking her. I don't think that happened. (laughs) I just don't. I mean, I'm not there. I don't know any of the players. I don't know the principals. I just don't believe that. I'm pretty sure she was probably nuts and probably nuts in the sack. And so you kept her around. And even though you kind of knew it was dangerous, you did it anyway. I don't know. But I would, like I said, be willing to bet the year's salary I make on the potential there might have been a few drunken nights she might have keyed his car might have you know said some insane off the wall banana shit that you should be huge red flags you shouldn't keep this unhinged person around you isn't it funny too that she's a yoga teacher namaste i'm full of inner peace oh let me murder this girl like that's it's a lot. That's a lot of L.A. too, right? Is this false sense of spirituality and like being above it. And like meanwhile, you are sitting on a torrent, on a, on a deluge of dangerous and unstable emotions. But you, mm, I, I have a, a yoga hand thing necklace, so I'm peaceful. You are like three drinks away from stabbing someone in the eye. And you're like, I've got it all together. No, you fucking don't. (laughs) No, you don't. That's crazy though, right? Like how deranged does that chick have to be? She's a yoga teacher, right? So she's just all day, you know, downward dog and peaceful music and lotus flowers and like scented oils. And that's her whole thing is being at peace. And like this, she gets cheated on and murders a bitch, kills her. Does that say inner peace to you? It doesn't say inner peace to me. I uh, I have uh, lashed out. I have said things I didn't mean. I've gotten angry at times and, uh, you know, had some aggressive thoughts. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you namaste and have this phony face like I've got it all together. My life is just, it, it unfolds as the universe decides and I just accept it as it comes. You know, you know she said this bullshit at get-togethers to her family, to her friends. And meanwhile, there's a murderer inside of that shell. A literal murderer who's just, you know, mm, you know, oh, and like has like judgmental takes on things. You know, it's just like uh, like violent video games or probably raunchy comedy, right? Like that's not good for my chakras. <laughs> Yeah, you know what else isn't good for your chakras? Murder. First degree murder. Think it might put your aura out of whack. You know what I mean? I know it's like, oh, there's a girl, a young girl who's dead, and that's not funny. But this, this is... Like it's just funny that she's just like, namaste. Ah, you crazy bitch. You slept with my boyfriend thing. Oh, (laughs) wild.
wild. Wild, man. Pretty nuts. How much time do I have left here? 56 minutes and 38 seconds total. Although that's probably going to be shorter when this is finally finished because I'm going to clip out the moments when I was just not saying anything and vaping and thinking about the next poignant moment. The next poignant contribution I was going to offer you. It was going to be so insightful. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Let's do this last one. And then I'll wrap it up. And then I will wrap up the sixth episode of the MFR Podcast. Thank you so much for watching the MFR Podcast. Please press like, subscribe, share with your friends, watch on Spotify, do all the things that make traction. But honestly, please do those things if you feel so inclined because there's really no other way to get the word out. I have social media. I have my YouTube followers. That's sort of it. Unless someone else, like, happens along it, luckily. But like I said, how often does that happen? Quite rarely. So if you have anyone in your life that you think would get a kick out of old Foulball Productions, give them a little link-ski. You know? Say, hey, my buddy, my online buddy makes this show. Maybe I'll like it. And there's so much content. Anyway, uh, Chris Pratt reveals he quote, never went to Hillsong Church, said he avoided denying claims because he did not want to throw a church under the bus. Fuck yeah, dude. Mensch. Pretty badass. It's an interesting article. Like, for instance, I just took a big vape dragon. You didn't even know it because I cut it out. Movie magic! Uh, after years of being hounded for his supposed attendance of the Hillsong Church, much of which was rooted in opposition of the institution's holding of, quote, traditional Christian thought on gay lifestyles and gay marriage, Guardians of the Galaxy and Jurassic World star Chris Pratt has revealed that while he has never had any personal relation to the church, he declined to speak to the accusations in order to avoid, quote, throwing a church <clears throat> under the bus. Which actually is, a, this is an interesting one because I remember like one of the last times I was in one of those acting classes when I just couldn't take it anymore. I remember, you know, it was like one of these little queen bee types, you know, one of these little like coven leaders uh, was talking about Chris Pratt and he's a conservative, said it like that, as if everyone in the room automatically had the same opinions as her. Like, do you know how uncomfortable that is? Because I don't want to be like, I'm a conservative because I'm not, but I also am like, I don't hate him because of that either. Like, I would be willing to hear his thought. Like, are you so sure? But, like, she just writes him off and then just freely says this in mixed company. Now, granted, we're at an acting studio, but it's not like we're at her house with her group of friends. Like, I don't barely know you. Like, why would you assume we have the same opinions on all this stuff? Because it's L.A. and everyone has the same opinions or face being an outcast. Oof, God, I don't miss that culture at all. Pratt, Pratt offered clarity on his faith during a recent interview with Men's Health, broaching the subject by recalling the acceptance speech he gave the 2018 Movie and TV Awards. Therein, after winning the show's Generation Award, oh shit, it's not being shared. See, wake down, you're destroying the show. You've destroyed the show! Just kidding, I forgot that that's not on here. See? See? It's difficult, people. YouTube's not easy, people. People. A lot of people are saying, uh, I don't think my Trump's very good, but I do like doing it. Anyway, an honor awarded to beloved actors whose diverse contributions to both film and television have turned them into household names. The actor told the crowd his nine rules for life, six of which he declared as God is real. God loves you, he added. God wants the best for you. Believe that I do. Now, I don't really have any problem with that, but I, I don't know. Is that the place? 
the Teen Choice Awards or whatever. I mean, whatever. Do whatever you want, Chris. I'm not telling you what to say. It's just, I, I don't know. Maybe it's, it seems like a big swing. Anywho, reflecting on that speech, Pratt told interviewer Mickey Rapkin, Pratt asserted, Pratt told interviewer and Pratt, okay, uh, maybe it was hubris. Might be, a little bit, you know. Might be. You could just be grateful, not lecture people, but whatever. It's not a big deal. For me to stand up on the stage and say things that I said, I'm not sure I touched anybody. Religion has been oppressive as F-K for a long time, he said, speculating as to why some feel uncomfortable with his speech. I didn't know that I would kind of become the face of religion when I'm not really a religious person, when I'm really not a religious person. I think there's a distinction between being religious, adhering to the customs created by man, oftentimes appropriating the awe reserved for who I believe is a very real God, and using it to control people, to take money from people, to abuse children, to steal land, to justify hatred, Pratt said. Whatever it is, the, the evil that's in the heart of every single man has glommed on to the back of religion and come along for the ride. I can't argue with him there. I'm not a religious person. I don't have anything against religion. Uh, don't get me wrong, but... I do hate when people do that, when they can't distinguish the two, when they can't separate. They're like, uh, I don't believe in God because some people in the church hate gay people. I'm like, those things are unrelated, unrelated. Like I heard Jim Norton make it a point as such today on the Jim and Sam show saying something like about that. It was just saying like about how creationism can't be real because you know, God is obsessed with gay people. And it's like, that's, first of all, utterly absurd. And secondly, God can be real, and all the people on earth could have also gotten it wrong. Those two realities can coexist. Like, I don't know why they have to be one or the other. It has to be everything Bibles and churches and people say is true. Uh, like, and God, like, and that's the, that's the only, or, or there's nothing. It's either that or nothing. It's like there's no middle ground. There's no compromises. There's no, they got some things right and they didn't get everything right. That can't possibly be a conclusion. I don't understand why that's so difficult to rationalize. Like you don't have to like the church. I don't, who gives a fuck? It's not the same thing. It could be a gross misinterpretation. It could all be wrong. It's totally possible because it was all written by man. And the whole point is that we're fallible. I don't, I just think that's a juvenile way of thinking. It just, it's childish and just, you know, nihilistic and just dismissive and negative. And it's like, oh, shut up with that boring take. We heard you. Ugh, you don't like the church. Whoa, hot take, buddy. Make sure you wear gloves. I don't want you to burn yourself on that hot take. I think there's a distinction between being religious, adhering to the customs created by man, oftentimes appropriating the... Oh, wait, I already read that. I already read that. Uh, continuing on the topic of faith, Rapkin turned to the claims of the actor's Hillsong attendance, to which Pratt admitted, I never went to Hillsong. I never actually been to Hillsong. I don't know anyone from that church. Asked why he didn't clarify at the time, the actor responded, I'm going to, like, throw a church under the bus. Before adding the caveat, it's if it's the Westboro Baptist Church, that's different. Yeah, fair enough. Those guys can all fucking rot in a goddamn big fire. I don't care. Mercy's for Jesus, not me. Fuck you, people. <laughs> I hate those cocksuckers. They're monsters. They should all just be lit on fire. We should all roast weenies on them. Roast weenies. What a ridiculous thing to say. But they're just awful. A, ugh. Um, yeah, I get that. But it's kind of like saying, it's like, I'm not going to be like, well, fuck these people. That's pretty. That's a pretty base take. I don't know anything about this church. So maybe they hate gay people. I, don't, I have no idea. Um, but I like that. I respect that. He's just going to be like, eh, I'll take the heat. There's no reason for me to 
throw an entire group of people who are generally pretty nice under the bus because it looks bad in Hollywood. That's dope. Much respect, bro. Uh, he also clarified that as he was at the time the wait as he was at the time the. In- he also clarified that as he was at the time the initial claims of his Hillsong attendance came out. That is not well written at all. As he was at the time the initial claims of his Hillsong attendance. Oof, that's that's that needs to. Be- I uh, I have a red marker. I'd like to underline that. That sucks. He and his family were not exclusively attend. He and his family not exclusively attend the Zoe Church. What is wrong? Wow, dude, that sentence. Did your brain break? What happened here? Though not strictly related to his religion, Pratt took a moment during his time with Rapkin to express frustration at the internet's insistence on painting him as a secret villain. They kind of do that, right? They make him sound like he's this like nefarious homophobe, you know, like inside the halls of Hollywood spreading hate. It's like, shut up. He's just one dude who's not 100% on board your bullshit. That's literally all he is. And they're like, he's a fucking demon. Is he, though? Or are you the demon? Did you even think about that? No, you didn't. You only think about yourself. I'm just kidding. Uh, Harkening back to his November 2021. All right. I've actually got to deal with this story. I think it's dope that Chris Pratt is uh, like, eh, you know, I'm not that guy, but I'm not going to throw a group of people who I think are whatever. Like, I'm not going to do that to them. I'll take the heat. Based-ass Chris Pratt. Based-ass Chris Pratt. All right. That's going to do it for the sixth episode of the MFR Podcast. Thank you very much for watching. I really appreciate you. Thank you for listening to all of my personal life stuff, acting journey, YouTube stuff. Thank you. Thank you for being here, for watching any of this. It means a lot. It means so much. Uh, please press like if you haven't already. I know that's annoying. I know we hear it all the time. And you're just like, mm, stop asking me to like and subscribe. And it's like, I know. I don't want to have to ask you to like and subscribe. But you kind of have to. And it puts the little thing in your head, and it helps me. It helps the algorithm. Maybe one extra person will see it. Maybe two. Who knows? But if you haven't seen it and you like what you're doing, you haven't seen me, you like this, click the subscribe button. Please, you don't have to ever come back, but just click that little button. It means a lot. It helps me. Look, if anything, it makes me feel good when I wake up in the morning and be like, ooh, 1649. I feel like a valid human now. I'm just kidding. Thank you so much for watching. I appreciate you guys. You guys are great. Uh, this show comes out every Wednesday morning, 8 a.m. Released on YouTube and Spotify, iTunes, all that stuff, all at the same time. Uh, clips throughout the week. And be sure to check out the for Cocktail Lounge every Friday night, 8 p.m. Central. Starts live. So if you hate me, you don't like anything. If you don't like any of the things I said, you you have the option to communicate with me live and and harangue berate and insult me to your heart's desire okay it's an open chat we don't kick out anybody that's not true but we let a lot of shit fly listen my friends the people who actually like me probably said things 10 times worse so take your best shot go ahead swing for the fences no thank you very much for watching i really appreciate you guys you have a great night and i'll see you on the next episode toodle loodle loodles